0: The key to winning big is using every little bit of knowledge to your advantage. At OddsChecker, we give you the edge. Better odds, better picks, and better offers to make you a better better. Why settle for less? Quickly compare the odds at every sportsbook to ensure that you're getting the best price to maximize your return. Visit us at www.oddschecker.com backslash US. OddsChecker. Sports betting smarter.
2: From the Anteup headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anteup PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
1: It's January 10th, 2020. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Were you watching uh, one of the, the the New Year's Eve shows that was like ABC? And when the ball was dropping, they kept using Barbara Walters, it's 2020 or whatever. Did you see that? Yes, I did. <laughs> you did see it? Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I mean, it's cliche, it's silly, it's sort of even soft mark, but it was hilarious.
3: Uh, it wasn't as funny as Sherry O'Terry Terry bring back Barbara Walters. <laughs> then that was really super
1: fun. Oh, man. It's so and, weird and to say it.
3: Yeah, and there's two things that are guaranteed every year right around New Year's. One, uh, the ball will drop in Times Square. Yeah. And two, about a week later, everybody that's been off for the last two weeks starts writing news again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I know our, our fans think we just make this stuff up for bits and funny stuff, but no, it's true, right? I yeah. mean, we've we got three things to talk about this uh, this show. I've got two more things that I couldn't put on the show. In the last two weeks, we were grasping at straws, right? Yeah, so, yeah nothing. So it's not the news stops. It's that you all go on vacation for two weeks and no one does anything. And it, then when you get back, you get all excited about doing stuff and overload the system.
1: Isn't it like a microcosm of the, of actually poker? I mean, it poker is like what? 80, 90% sheer boredom and then 10% just absolute pandemonium? It's kind of what this was, you know. There's like nothing going on forever, or it's the reverse of it, I guess. Something going on all year, and then nothing going on around the holidays.
3: Yeah, the the, the poker split on that is slightly better than golf, though. So, so. <laughs> oh, nice. We got that going for He us. just defended
1: everybody who's not in Canada.
3: <laughs> there, there's nobody that plays poker that also golfs. There's no, uh, yeah,
1: no. That. no, that yeah. never happens. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, well, World Poker Tour host Lynn Martin has launched a donation campaign to help with the wildfires that have devastated Australia's wildlife recently. Just three days into the campaign, nearly 30000 Australian dollars had been raised, with some players pledging a portion of the winnings from the Aussie millions to the cause. All money will go to Wildlife Warriors, the wildlife conservation organization created by the Irwin family. Warms your heart.
1: It's devastating oh. what's going on down there, but it's so great when poker players step up like this
3: yeah it's just it, it's dramatic uh, to watch those photos and videos and everything from out there and just imagine what's going on so you
1: yeah, know it's just unbelievable and it's like there's summer down there right so that's what gets yeah. it even worse too uh unbelievable
3: everything first including the way the water goes down the toilet so <laughs> it's true it's, it's all you know axes and stuff
1: i remember the simpsons episode where they went down there and they had to they go into their uh, the U.S. Embassy in Australia, and then they have the machine that forces the water to go the right way for <laughs>
3: Americans. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyhow, yes, that's very good to see a poker player stepping up, as we know. They always will. So yeah, great uh, news. Uh, all right, now, and the first news coming out of the case in a while, uh, Maurice Van Standig, the attorney representing about 100 plaintiffs in a civil lawsuit against Mike Postel, who allegedly cheated during live broadcast at Stone's Gambling Hall has made a legal filing saying summons intended for postal should have been considered served, even though he and a process server have been unable to deliver this uh, summons. uh, Sermons would be better. (laughs) Or his attorney, Uh, the process server, said he was unable to find postal home on five separate attempts, while Van Standing attempted to deliver them himself, but says Postel refused to answer the door, even though he could see him in a house. And Stan also said Postel's attorney has not agreed to accept the summons on his client's behalf because he only represents postal in criminal complaints, not civil ones. Uh, and judge will make the determination whether the repeated attempts are sufficient to say postal has been served, and that would uh, get the case moving at that point. I,
1: I would think that if they can prove that he was in the house and they're banging on the door and he's not answering the door and they could do like video off their phone seeing him walk around in there or something, then that would probably be enough to, to say it's been served.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't know how that works. Again, I'm not a lawyer, and uh, I've been dealing with lawyers way more than I wanted to <laughs> yeah. recently. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see what the um, what what the burden is uh, for a judge to accept this. I mean, obviously, um, it's it's difficult to prove that you were home if there's been no activity. Um, and according to the article we read, the process server never said there's any um, activity. But um, the attorney obviously claims that he he thought he saw uh, somebody matching um, Postel's description in the house. Yeah. That he uh, recorded that in some way or not, I don't know. And EMB did. I don't know what that means. But um, uh, there are also probably, I would think, imagine has to be a burden um, on you know seven attempts, which is really what it sounds like here. Yeah. yeah. So, to serve, I mean, obviously that was all over the holiday season, so you know. Maybe there's a little wiggle room there because people travel, but um it it does seem like uh they, they've they certainly done their due, due part to to serve and uh just have been unable to so
1: now, the more I think about it too I think it's illegal to record somebody in their home like that from the outside, but anyway. Uh, yeah, no, well, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I think it is. but
3: Something uh, you learned in high school, Chris?
1: <laughs> the funny thing is that it was actually a former professor of mine that I learned that was from. And, oh,
3: you creeper, you. And it
1: was a bad way. No, he was the one who got arrested <laughs> for doing it, I think. He told me once. But, um yeah, I don't, let's not get deep into that. But, yeah, so, um yeah, I mean, eventually this is all going to come out. It just depends on how willing the people – I mean, so – I remember well, the first time I actually uh, learned of uh, civil lawsuits like this, right. rather than criminal, and I think it was probably the OJ stuff.
3: Oh yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. I'm
1: like he was.
3: should learned a lot more about civil yeah, civil. yeah, yeah.
1: So at that point, they can you know they can basically say, hey, if if we're not going to get you to what you did was illegal, we're going to say it was uncivil, and we're going to make you pay us one way or the other. You know, and that's how they got all of his money that time. Right? Basically, that's how they got all yeah. the of his well, money from the state. And-
3: homes and pension and golf course membership. But- yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever
1: whatever he could keep. That was- <laughs> but everything else was theirs. And anytime he tried to make money, they would show up at his door and say, or wherever he was, and be like, all right, we get
3: it, you know, or whatever. And So,
1: yeah, this is interesting. I, I didn't even... Oh man, what a yeah. What a well, case. the last
3: thing I'll say on this before we move on. I mean, obviously, you know, we we took it on the chin with uh, with how we've handled this case on the show in the past. And one of the things I I, I kept hammering to people is, you know, what's what's the rush here? This is all going to work itself out. There's an investigation going on. This civil um, suit going on. Um, stuff's going to happen. And this was a good reminder that things have not been happening at the schedule that I think any of us expected to. So yeah. To the extent I can apologize for that, I will. Um, but uh, hopefully um, one of these two things will get moving here soon, and uh, we'll, we'll get some information uh, to know better what, what happened here. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, John Sofen writing on Cards Chat has listed 10 poker pred- predictions for 2020. Uh, let me just run through them, Chris, and you jump into whichever ones you think you want to talk about. We're okay. not going to talk about all of them. but All right. Number one. The World Series of Poker will be the biggest ever this year. Uh, Ali M. Sovrik will win the GPI Player of the Year. A sixth state will re- regulate online poker. Daniel Negrano will win a WSOP bracelet. Uh, another player will be outed for allegedly cheating. Oh. <laughs> uh, Bryn Kenny's record for lifetime tournament winnings will be challenged. Darren Elias will extend his WPT success. Tournament operators won't ditch re-entry events. Phil Gaffon will defeat Dan Cates in Heads Up PLO, and Mike Postle won't face justice. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, very timely. with that.
1: I, the thing I'm most interested in is finding out if you pronounced Ali's name right or not, because I don't know. I'm
3: sure, I did not.
1: <laughs> and I'd like to know if you uh, murdered that. You did pretty well on the last one, too, the lawyer's name. I thought that was pretty good. I figure if we bust your chops every time you do something wrong, I should you know praise you when you do it right, too. So um, I learned that from the uh, Super Nanny, which is back on TV again um uh, let's see the biggest w sop ever possible it's possible but uh i don't know if i don't know if i'm gonna agree with that one i think that one they're gonna just miss it again uh the one i like uh uh well one darren elias will extend his wpt success i don't even know what that means Does it mean he's gonna win again because he was he was just a crowned like player of the decade i guess is what right. i just saw it the other day so i'm not sure what that actually means. Another player will be outed for allegedly cheating? Uh, eh. I don't know. That probably happens a lot more than we think. It's just on a national well, scale. so on that
3: one, I think uh, we, we saw the, the shark circling the blood in the water with the Mike Postle case, right? So right. um, there have been a lot of people that have um, one, shown their willingness to spend a lot of time uh digging into this kind of stuff Um and probably certainly made everybody a little bit more vigilant about looking for it, right? So... Those two things combined, I think, just add up. It's it's not so much that more people will be cheating this year. It's just the awareness of it and the ability to investigate it is so much higher now yeah, than was yeah. to have been, or will continue to have a higher degree, a possibility of being outed, as they said. Here, yeah, right? yeah. So, so yeah, that that's. Uh, I think that I would be shocked if we don't have. Um, some kind of other cheating scandal of some sort on some level. It may not be as big as uh, the one we've been talking about, um, or it might be bigger. I don't know, but um, but I wouldn't say that necessarily um, indicates that cheating is big, better, uh, right, right, more more rampant, right, it's right. Just it's, it's like speeding, right? You know, if there's no cops on the road, no one gets arrested for speeding. You put six cops on the road, airbase are getting arrested for speeding, right? So right, right. it look like, oh, my God, why is airbase speeding more? No, nope, they, they're not. <laughs> <You> just <laughs> caught just them. So, catching them now. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: I know number eight is, not gonna, you know, terminal operators won't ditch reentry events. That's clearly not going to happen. So,
3: well, and again, this is what's interesting about this. We talked about this a lot on the show. I mean, they, 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 they shouldn't, right? right? As we've been mentioning, I mean... Obviously there there needs to be thought given to all the concerns over why people are concerned about reentries, but there are people that like them. And as we mentioned before, there are thirty some days on the calendar every month that tournament operators are planning tournaments. There's room on those thirty days to do a variety of different kind of tournaments. So um there doesn't necessarily have to be a blanket ban on reentry. Um at the same time, there could be a reduction in them or a reinvention of them that makes it better. But uh, I, I really don't think they need to be banned. So
1: no, I agree that's with that. It. I agree with that. Um, the one thing I don't want to mention is Dan Nugrano, because if I say he won't win a bracelet, he'll probably <laughs> want to make some sort of bet with me, and then I won't be able to afford the bet because he'll win a bracelet. <laughs> uh, but he's always uh, he's always in the running for winning a bracelet, so that's a very good bet right there. I think that he could do that. Um, Mike Postle won't face justice I guess you have to define justice right
3: how long will win a WSOP bracelet will you really put yourself out there so (laughs) um, and the uh, I I do think there'll be a six maybe a seventh or even an eighth state uh, regulating poker I mean Michigan was one last month um, so we're up to uh, five now and it just seems like that's moving a little bit quicker and a lot of ways um, buoyed by the uh, online um, sports gambling uh, movement as well too so um, there, there's discussion here in Florida about that now too. That has not included flo- uh, poker, but um, but more and more states are discussing that, and, and a lot of them in the same time are and throwing poker into the mix. So um, that that also seems to be a fairly high percentage prediction. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard me before, but uh, I don't know about the Mike Postel thing. Cause I guess you have to define justice, too, right? I don't know what, what they mean by yeah, justice. Yeah, and I'm
3: going to guess that what, what that means is he's not going to get the justice that people think he deserves. Yeah. Uh, or in the time frame, or more likely the time frame that <laughs> they're hoping. And, you know, most people wanted him, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, tarred and feathered in town square the day after they learned about it. So <laughs> the timing is never going to work for most people. Um but uh, you know there's always a chance of this. I mean it was interesting. I was talking to a friend uh, not too long ago about the I remember the whole PPC scandal um a couple years ago, right? And I hadn't I never actually heard how that resolved and um, he told me that they they settled for pennies on the dollar. So hmm. um and that was very quiet as far as I know because I didn't hear about it. I don't I know we didn't talk about it on the show. Right, so right right um, and I'm sure lots of people do not think that's proper justice for for what happened there as well too. So, um, although in the eyes of the law, it, it's justice of some sort, right? Yeah,
1: Which that's why. Yeah, the level or degree of it. That's what I was thinking. So, um,
3: but you know, I, I guess they're going to have to find Mike at home at some point. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he answer <to> the door. <laughs> uh, this Phil
1: Galifon uh, defeating Dan Cates and heads up PLO. I don't know. Was there something specific about it? Was it the World Series
3: PLO? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've kind of, uh, we probably should have been talking about this on the show, the path I just never put it on there, but he put out the challenge for some heads-up uh, matches and got some, got some takers at high high, high stakes. Right. Uh, Dan Cates is probably the biggest name to uh, take him up on it. Okay. Um So, for folks that, that like to watch these pros face off, uh, particularly in these nosebleed uh, games and nosebleed heads-up games, um, this will be a good year for it, I think. I think there's going to be some stuff for you to watch and enjoy out there. Uh, I, I not in a position to uh, make a prediction here as uh, Mr. soften did. But um, but certainly for folks that are are interested in that kind of stuff, um, this will be a good year for it. So, so
1: you're making the 11th prediction for 2020 then, that this will be a good year for watching high stakes? Ends up there stuff. we go. Yep, All exactly. Right. exactly. All right, so That's number 11. An, <laughs> an generic one, right? Yes. <laughs> Huh. It's a decent list, though. I mean... He, yeah, he, it's not bad. Good spectrum of stuff. Hey, uh, I appreciate it.
3: We, we try to put together a top ten list uh, lots of times on this, uh, this show, and as I've noticed, we haven't done it in a while because it's hard to do. So,
1: Yeah, and we always end up doing top five because yeah, yeah. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> it's just too hard to do ten sometimes. <laughs> okay, any updates? Our Restock the Shells Food Bank Initiative with Blue Shark Optics has started with events all month long at ten poker venues around the country, and special events this week at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort in North Carolina and Miami Poker Society in Florida, uh, and Vincent, uh and more at Poker Rooms later this month. Go to AnnieUpMagazine.com slash restock for more details on all events, and remember that your home game can participate by collecting food and or cash for a local food bank in your community. Email us at podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com after the home game with a photo, what food bank you benefited, and how much you collected, so we can include you in our wrap-up article in Antiette Magazine. Also, we love hearing from our fans. If you have a Hand of the Week, a Listener Spotlight, or Call to Floor submission, email us at podcast at podcast.antyupmagazine.com or post in the Up Fans group on Facebook. Uh, speaking of that, you can join AnnieUp Fans group on Facebook and post within there to get feedback on your hands or Call to Floor questions. Just discuss anything poker. All you have to do is go on Facebook and search for Up Fans. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at you know where dot com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. Uh, this comes from Phil M. He says uh, in a live one two five PLO game, ooh, the flush hit the river. Being first to act and having virtually no hand except for the Ace of Spades nut flush blocker, I checked and the next player bets about half pot. One person folds, and the last player calls. I decide uh, it's a great place for the naked ace bluff, so I say pot. The dealer says call, uh, and as he's calculating the pot, but the uh, the better turns over his flush. I said no, pot, raise pot, and the better mucks his hand. The last player folds, and I scoop a handsome bounty. What would the floor have ruled had the better insisted that the dealer's mistakes stand?
3: Elliot says most floors would have come to the table and heard from the dealer the players in the hand and then the remaining players and then hopefully ruled correctly. In this situation, you acted in turn um, and defended your bet when an error uh, was being compounded by your opponent. I would have ruled that your raise was valid and the current bet, uh, and was the current bet. I have no idea why the dealer had to think out loud, but most dealer errors don't stand regardless of how aggressively players lobby for it. Why would the initial better even uh, ever be more important than the Razor. If every dealer air stood and players could uh, be so obviously kneecapped by these airs, what would stop dealers from intentionally committing airs that disadvantaged players uh, the dealers did not like? Yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, I think kind of the root of this, because um, some of these are... It's always difficult doing these calling floors where there are situations where a dealer air does stand, right? Um, and I, those are the kind of things that people get upset about and remember more than often. So um, they tend to think that uh, that's the case more often than I think it really is. Um, but to the extent that a, that a floor can, can correct the action and make it proper, um, they're, they're going to try to do that. So, um, and, and again, this is also a little bit of that technicality thing to be you talking about. Right. So, mm. you know, uh, if anybody near our hero here heard him say pot um, and spoke up at that point, um, I would like to think that everybody else in the hand would uh, would agree that that was a valid bet. And even though it wasn't um, heard by the entire table or the dealer, as it sounds like the case here, was thinking out loud, <laughs> yeah. um, caused confusion elsewhere uh, that those players would not try to win that pot on a technicality. So,
1: uh, Another uh, reason why pot limit saying. games suck. <laughs> Never play pot limit. It's just so confusing for the dealer. It's confusing for everyone at the table. Just play no limit or limit.
3: Okay. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever going to say this, but it, 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 the clearer way to be is I, I, I bet, I raise pot.
1: Yeah. You know,
3: yeah. Rather than pot, because pot sometimes um, could be mistaken as, you know, how much is in the pot, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, but.
1: Yeah. Plus, it's a one syllable word, which could be mistaken for call, like it was here. And so you just never know.
3: Or bet or
1: anything. Or bet, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we get to complete an O'Malley's move today. Here comes part one, and then we'll see you on the other side.
2: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are seated in a $2-$5, no-limit Hold'em casino cash game. The action flows like a normal lower stakes cash game where there is a mix of maniacs and solid players with other players falling in between. We've been playing for around three hours. We bought in for 1,000 and are currently at 7.50. The game is nine handed. The blinds post, the end of the gun folds, the plus one limps in. This player started the hand with around 1,000. He's been at the table for around an hour and has been playing break even poker. The one hand he showed was eight of diamonds seven of diamonds when he flopped trips against pocket jacks and won a modest pot while he was stacking his chips he made the comment of love those suited connectors he's been trending downward since we get one more fold and we are in the low jack again with 750 and the ace of spades ace of hearts decent hand we're going to raise it up we make it 35 dollars to go The standard raise at this table is 5x, but we account for the limper and bump it up one more for good measure. It's folded all the way back around to the plus one, who calls the $35, and with $70 in the pot, we see a flop of the 9 of spades, 8 of hearts, 6 of clubs. The plus one checks to us. I don't like how coordinated this board is, but I'm not too concerned at the moment. We make a $50 bet into the pot. The plus one check raises us to 150 We could be behind a bunch of different hands, but I just can't let go of these aces at this point, we call. The pot is 370 and the turn is the harmless tray of diamonds. Our opponent asks us how much we have behind and we tell him 565. He ponders for a bit and then bets 275 into the pot. So are we being bullied here? Are we behind? What's the move?
3: all right something just doesn't feel right here uh the check race is a strong move and he follows it up with a substantial bet on the turn uh the three pocket pairs that would have given a set of flop are all consistent with limping in pre-flop and o'malley made a point of telling us that our opponent likes suited connectors so nine eight is a valid holding uh with how this hand has been played if we we're up against the set we have two outs once not good if we're up against nine eight we have a few more outs he could be as o'malley wonders be trying to bully us out of this pot, but he's been super brave if that's what he's doing. We have one pair. I'm fine folding here, even if it turns out we were good.
1: Yeah, I'm out of his hand. Uh he was happy enough to give you a free card and then check raised when we bet. So I, something tells me that was pretty big. Uh and he was happy enough to bet the turn uh uh and that he was emboldened to bet out mightily so uh I think we're beat. Uh I probably fold. Uh wet boards beat off aces often. Don't here, they really? Absolutely. Yeah. Here comes part two
2: hello again. Maybe this is a nitty fold, but his comment from the earlier hand is just sticking in my mind. I think it's possible he has flopped a set. It could be jacks or tens, but something just feels a little strange. We flash our aces and fold. Damn, our opponent says and flips up the nine of clubs, eight of clubs. So, was this a tight fold? Would calling here have been, as Scott likes to say, getting it in correct? Until next time... I'm Malcolm O'Malley, saying just because you made the right move doesn't mean it was the correct one. I hope to see you on the felt.
3: Well, Malley, not a tight fold at all in my book. I think it was a very well-reasoned fold.
1: Yeah, I like the fold. Uh, we could have caught up, but that was a real slim proposition. So making the right move is, is always great in my book. So good job.
2: This is Daniel Legrano of FullContactPoker.com. You're listening to Anti-Up.
3: All right, it's time with the com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Matt Easterbrook, uh, I believe you the first-time submitter here. Nice. Let's uh, see, that name didn't sound familiar. Let's see. He actually says, yeah, long-time listener, first-time emailer, so thank you. <laughs> uh, he says, I'm very much a recreational player, so go easy on me. So go easy on him, Chris. All right. I'm always easy on him. Yeah, yeah uh i have uh he has two hands here we'll do the second one next week um but it's from a recent home game uh he says it's a small game with people i went to school with and we get together four times a year to play a tournament so we know each other uh very well by now the villain in both hands is also named matt uh the only other player who i give much credit to as a poker player he's very loose and will play almost any two cards pre-flop but his raising range pre-flop is fairly standard He's an aggressive player who knows he can usually win pots with a c bet. He knows I have a good understanding of the game relative to the other players, but sees me as someone he can push off of hands. Hmm. All right. So for the first hand, uh, like I said, we'll do the second hand next week. Okay. For The first hand uh, blinds are two fifty five hundred, and uh, both mats sit around with fifty around fifty thousand units. Huh. Hand is folded around to our opponent and the cutoff, who raises to fifteen hundred. We're on the button and look down at the ace of spades, jack of spades. Okay, well,
1: if I have 50,000 chips and it's 250, 500, yeah, I'm playing just about any hand, so <laughs> I'm playing a lot. I, that's
3: a, that. Everybody's going to do that. That's a
1: huge stack. Um, well, I, I like that we have position. I like our hand. It's not great. You're hoping to hit a flush with it, but at the same time, you know, if you hit your ace, it's not great. Um Cut off raises don't get a lot of a lot of respect uh generally, so you're probably in the lead or close to it. maybe you could be ace queen ace jack could be anything i could have anything so but uh i I like ace jack suited here on the button in position, but I like just a call i i don't know i don't know this guy good enough um I know that if he likes to push us off hands like you said then you know, this could be the type of hand where if you just call and hit it really nice, he'll just keep betting into you and you've got position on him. So um, I don't mind the call here. If I think he's one of those, I know you said he was aggressive and stuff, but if he's one of those maniac type players, you know, it just depends. Or if the person who just likes to be really loose, I might play it differently. But he's just he's just normally aggressive here. So I think we might be ahead, but I don't know if there's really any reason to just go over the top of him right now. Plus, you still have the blinds behind you, and I don't know what they're acting like next to me. They may, you know, be looking to enter the pot with me. They may—I don't know. So there's a lot of incomplete information here. I think I'm just going to call.
3: Yeah. So here's a couple of things. Uh, fans of the show probably know that one of the leaks in my game that I've um, plugged, that I encourage other people to plug, is. Um playing uh raised pots with less than ace king when you have the ace um because so often you're you're dominated by that ace king or in this case an ace queen as well too um but a couple reasons that i that i'm going to take a flyer on this one that i think are a little different one uh, we're obviously suited which doesn't make a big of a difference but um you know when we're this deep i would love to stack someone right so yeah, yeah. Um, so it does help a little bit um, and two, we're on the button, so we have position for the rest of the hand. So uh, like you, um, um, I, very easy call here for me for 1500 Um I, I don't really feel like I want to raise here. This is the, the only other player at the table we mentioned that, that we have any respect for. So if it was uh, another player, then I would probably give strong consideration to raising here because they're probably coming in, uh, more likely coming in weaker than this yeah. other match. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'd be happy to call. We got we got a lot of potential with this hand, and then we also have um, a lot of um, escape pods to get out of this if we need to. So <laughs> let's call, and then you know, hey, if the blinds come along, now our our hand changes a little bit. Now we're not looking for that jack. We're now we're looking for the spades or the, or a Broadway or something like that. So it's a little different. But again, fifteen hundred of our fifty thousand. Uh, I'm gonna take a flyer here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, here. This is not a hand I want to raise with, as I can sense some strength from that. I'm happy to make the call and play the hand in position, so I decide to do just that. Good job. All right. Yeah. Blinds both fold. Uh, Thirty-seven fifty in the pot, and the flop is the ace of diamonds, ace of clubs, tray of diamonds, and our opponent bets two thousand. Wow. Uh,
1: the only thing that you have to really fear—you're not fearing a wheel—is maybe diamonds getting there, but. We have three aces, and even if Diamond's got there, we have all kinds of outs. And even if, you know, so, I mean, I, I'm not too worried about Diamond. And I like to just walk him here. I think this is one of those hands that we just talked about earlier where he, if he likes to bet us off of hands, you know, he might just keep betting into us when we have this monster. I and mean, we just flop trips with a decent kicker, you know, unless he has specifically ace queen, ace tray, or ace king. You know what I mean? We are we have him crushed. You know, I mean, obviously, you could have pocket threes or something. But uh, I love this now. I love this position we're in. I love to just call here and let him keep betting into us. You know, and if he doesn't, then i will come alive. But right now, if we call him, I look like we're going into a draw. And if a non-diamond comes, he might bet really big into us. So I like just calling right now and being patient with this.
3: Well, I like calling for two reasons. One, all the reasons that you stated. And then, two, if we are up against that ace-king or ace-queen, I know it seems more unlikely now because uh, we have three of the aces are accounted for, but it's still possible.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, I would rather not. I would rather lose the minimum on this hand. So uh, go ahead and call here, and uh, he's going to make make another bet on the turn. If he doesn't make another bet on the turn, that changes things. Then we can we can bet on the turn. But um, quite happy uh, walking the dog here, and and if I'm being the one walked, uh, making a a short wrap around the uh, block.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, controlling that bet.
3: All right, uh, our hero says, I sense strength here. He almost certainly has the case ace, and it may well be a stronger ace than mine. That's a pretty good strong read if you you think it's that certain. But, yeah. Uh, I get the feeling that he's prepared to get it in here if I raise, and that would put me in a really tight spot. The only ace I can see him raising with that I can't beat is ace 10. Uh, I don't want to raise, but I can't throw my hand away just yet. I decide to call. Okay. Next card is a blank, the seven of spades, so the board is ace of diamonds, ace of clubs, tray of diamonds, seven of spades, with 77.50 in the pot. Matt checks to us. Wow. Wow.
1: Uh. All right, well, he probably is not as strong as we thought then. I mean, if, if we're thinking he's strong, I, mean, I don't think he's stronger than us now.
3: Or inducing us to bet. Those are the two things. I don't know if he's that sophisticated in a game like this, but yeah. know, there is that possibility. But more likely than not, yes, it's it's slowing down for some pot control probably.
1: Well here's the deal. Do we really think that if we make a bet, this guy's gonna want to get in all fifty thousand for a four thousand pot or a seven thousand pot? I, I just don't I don't feel like we're gonna be in that position here. I'm not gonna check three aces with a jack kicker. I'm just not, so I'd probably bet half the pot. I'd probably bet like three or four grand three grand, three and a half grand or something. I, I just can't imagine checking here. So
3: Well, here's the case for checking, and I'm not saying I would do it, but there is a case to be made for it. Um and that is, you know, if we bet here now I mean obviously if you think about it, the guy made um a reasonable assumption right now is the guy had a decent hand, raised pre flop, C bet as you do almost all the hundred percent of the time, right? Right and it was a scary board and we called so now he got a little spooked um so now he's uh checking and if we bet here a very likely uh, certainly he has nothing but very likely um he will fold and we will not get anything more out of his hand other than not getting rivered so um whereas if you check here there's not a lot of things i'm worried about um the the diamonds i'm a little less worried than i probably should be um and now we give him an opportunity to bluff at us on the river because if we both slow down now it might embolden him to think that his his uh, bluff might work on the river, so that might be our chance of getting more value out of here
1: so this is one of those situations where it's kind of like a coin toss in your mind because you either are giving really diamonds is. yeah you're giving diamonds a free shot at getting there or you're giving a missed hand a free a, a chance to bluff at the after that so you gotta choose your poison, I
3: guess. I don't know yeah, which it is. This is one of those stare in the soul kind of things, right? Yeah. You, you got to get a good feel from the opponent. Is he is he weak? Uh, and it was just playing his hand strong, and now not s- slowing down. And if that's the case, that I do want to give him an opportunity to bluff on the river. Uh, if it, this is some kind of mind games that he's playing, or he's hoping that by him slowing down, that embolden us to bet, which is what we just talked about, right? Yeah. So he can come over the top. Then we may not want to do that because I don't think we want to go to war necessarily right now. Uh, I would feel a lot better if I got a river jack, right? <laughs> so, um. I tend to be
1: a little more aggressive with my betting and less savvy. Like, I, you know, I, if I really have a read in this guy and I feel like there's a hand that he can make that would be second best on the river, I might check. Um, if I feel like he's got a hand that's less than mine, and one of my, one of my. Uh, abilities at the table sometimes is to really know when someone has the second best hand and they think they have the best hand but I know they don't have the best hand sometimes I get I can just read players that way and I'm going to extract the most out of them if this was one of those situations then I would bet just a little less than like half the pot and just make it look like this guy's got like ace eight you know or something um but if I knew that he was like alright I raised with you know eights and I took my shot and whatever um then I don't know what to do because if I check he can only catch up by beating me. he can't catch up anymore, so it's it's really right. tough i just I keep thinking back of that that uh description of him earlier. you know we said he was loose and aggressive, so i don't I don't know if he is loose and aggressive, then he's probably falling in your camp where he probably doesn't have anything, and he took his stab and then we called it and then but then I'm trying to think about the pushing you off the hands kind of guy, you know maybe you do. Bet out, and then he, you know, he wants to check raise you because he's got such a big hand. You know, what I mean, I just don't, I don't know where to go with this. I feel like in my gut I just need to bet, but I don't really well, know for and, sure.
3: And I think more of the discussion, I realize that you, I have to bet something here because you know I did uh, dismiss the possibility that he has a weaker ace than us, um, which is great if he does because then he's going to call uh, probably any reasonable bet we make, right? Yeah. He probably didn't. But he didn't. It, if you put it in his mind, let's say he has like an ace eight or something, right? Um, and he bet and we call. Now he's got to be worried that we have an ace, and if we have an ace, our ace might be bigger, which is the same thing that we're thinking about him, right? Yeah. Um, so therefore, he would slow down here and call a reasonable bet from us and hope he catches up on the river. So by us checking behind, we're giving him the opportunity to get there for free, um, which I don't want to do. Um, and if he has that uh, a weaker ace, then he's probably going to call it reasonable bet. So I think all 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 considered, in that whole discussion that we just had there, I I think we have to bet here. And I'm going to bet something that is enticing enough that if he thinks he has a chance in his hand, that he will he will come along.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think we have to put some money in there because even like you said, if you were to, if you were to be ha- if you were to win this pot right now, you'd still be happy with taking it down and earning whatever it is, you know, an extra three and a half grand or four grand. But if you were to check, and then pocket eights got there with eights full, and you you know you just have three aces, you'd kill yourself. So at right, this yep. point, yeah, you got to put some money in and make them earn it. And at the same time, if you take it down, hey, you took you took it down. So be happy with it.
3: Yeah, so I'm thinking about maybe three thousand ish. Yeah, I was thinking 50, like thirty five,
1: thirty five hundred or so. So yeah, yeah. nothing like okay. that. That's not bad.
3: Yeah. All right, our hero says uh, this is an interesting check. He tends to try to bet me off of my hand, so I was expecting a bet, he's not the type to give up on a hand unless I show strength, which I haven't exactly done so far to me. this plays into my idea that he's got a monster hand, and I don't want to be forced into a decision for all my chips. I check back
1: no i don't I don't agree with him thinking we have or that him having a monster hand if he had a monster hand and we called, then why wouldn't he just put another smallish bet out there because if not. The only monster true monster hand that he could have that we could never beat if we were drawing, say, you know, would be like an A seven or an ace tray. So you know, or pocket aces, which ridiculous. But so I, I feel like if this guy's aggressive, why is he checking? You know, I think he's I think he's a little concerned with our call. Just a little bit. I'm not saying that he's overly worried, but it feels like a, a normal C bet and then when he got the call, he got a little bit nervous by that. I, I don't I don't think he's got such a mon. And even so, the only monsters we have to concern ourselves with are ace-king and ace-queen. And if I have ace-king or ace-queen, there's two diamonds on this board, I'm betting. So I just don't know why this guy would be checking to us with a monster hand now. I think he needs to keep betting, and he didn't. So I think we're – well, you know what we didn't consider was the same hand, something like ace-jack. We didn't even it consider that jack. yet. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I possible. mean, he could have the same hand as us, and he's worried we have ace queen or ace king, and now he's checking, but a monster hand? I don't know. He could have the other
3: ace, like you said, but beating us? Yeah, interesting that he has ace jack. You might have an opportunity of betting him off of that. He might.
1: Yeah, he might be worried, and I don't know if anybody folds three aces, but maybe. Probably not, but probably not in a game like this, probably Yeah, not. I'm betting, though. I, I don't like to check.
3: All right, our hero says the next card is beautiful, the jack of diamonds. So, our final board, ace of diamonds, ace of clubs, tray of diamonds, seven of spades, jack of diamonds. Wow. Uh, he says the diamond draw gets there now, um, and while I don't think he has it, I think he might feel that I do, and he checks to us.
1: Okay, well I would probably make the same bet I was going to make the street before that we didn't get a chance to make because he checked, So somewhere between three and four thousand. I mean, I, I mean, I, I you could bet more if he's the type of player that doesn't believe you, thinks you're trying to steal, and he actually has some sort of hand, he might call. But I don't feel like that's the situation here. I feel like if we bet what we wanted to bet last street we'll either get a call from a small race or we'll get a shove from someone who thinks they have a really good hand and then we'll go crazy. So not shove, but a re-race. So, uh, I, I like putting the same on a bet somewhere between three and 4,000.
3: Yeah. I might be inclined to bet a little bit more than I was the last time. So maybe 4,000, um, just cause we have no more cards to come. So I need to get my value now, but, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. definitely something in that range somewhere between three and five, I think is, is proper. Yeah. All right. Our hero bets uh, five thousand. His opponent sighs and curses the last card. uh, To which I nod and say, "Yep." After thinking for a while, he raises to twenty (laughs) thousand.
1: Okay. Well, we might as well just shove. I mean, I don't see any other way. There's no reason to just make it forty or something. I mean, he's not going to fold now, so he's probably got a seven or the same hand as us. So,
3: yeah. Either Either way, yeah. Either Either way, we're not losing.
1: Yeah, we got the stone cold nuts. So let's shove.
3: All right, with a quick check to make sure I do intend to have the stone-cold nuts, I shove. He gleefully calls, saying, full house. He tables the ace of diamonds, jack of diamonds.
1: All right, well, that's those are on the board, so...
3: so it can't be, yes. <laughs> Must right. be, so like, he, hearts, hearts. Some, some other ace and some other jack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ace of hearts, jack of hearts.
3: Yeah, uh, our hero says, all that effort for a split pot. Uh, I'm not sure I could have won this pot by playing it differently.
1: Yeah, I don't... Probably not. Probably not. The, like I said, the only way is if... He's the type of player that would fold to a raise pre-flop with that hand, and since he's aggressive and he likes to push people off of hands, and he knows you pretty well, probably isn't folding pre-flop. Even if you do end up making it, what forty-five hundred? I guess he made it fifteen yeah, yeah, starts. So
3: see that happening. Yeah. You know? Then once he gets his two aces, like you mentioned early in the hand, uh, not a lot of players are going to fold three aces ever, um, and especially in a game like this. So. You know, it might have been. uh, I mean, ended up all in, so I mean, there's no more value out of that at some way. So they really, the only way you could have won this hand is by getting him to fold at some point, and I just don't see a a pressure point here where we could have gotten to the fold. No.
1: And here's the deal: if you want to learn, now you have a free membership to AdvancedPokerTrain.com. That's right, right? And you can sort of put in those situations, and something like that will probably play out for you, so you can see just how many times you would win or win this hand without him, you know, with a tie. So uh, it's a great website. So take advantage of that. I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables.
2: Antioff is a production of AntioffMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com. or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.